Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this evening's show, we'll have a very caring segment. We'll make some telephone calls, explore some ways to spend an hour, and celebrate the birthdays of Carl Hayos and the state of Michigan. Normally, our birthday tributes are made after the fact, but for no particular reason, in this case, we're doing it ahead. Day after tomorrow, January 28th, will mark the 131st natal anniversary of composer Carl, with a K, Hayos, H-A-J-O-S. I'll save you doing the math, he was born in 1889. The name may ring a bell because a couple of months ago I played Beggars of Life, which Hayos composed. He was born in Budapest, Hungary, and was educated at the University of Budapest and the Budapest Academy of Music. On April 24, 1916, he married Elsa Rothschild in Hungary, and eight years later, on March 23, 1924, he arrived in the U.S. at New York aboard the Hamburg America Line's less-than-year-old ocean liner, S.S. Albert Ballin, named after the line's former director, who had committed suicide several years earlier. Hayos wrote several operettas in Europe and the U.S., and after working on stage musicals, got into the movie business in 1927. He joined ASCAP in 1929, and after petitioning for naturalization, became a U.S. citizen on November 28, 1930. He was employed by Paramount Pictures for a number of years before freelancing. Over the course of his career, he contributed music for 215 films, most of them uncredited, and was musical director on 19. He wrote the stock music for the Mae West picture I'm No Angel, and he received Oscar nominations for Summer Storm and The Man Who Walked Alone. Carl Hayos died February 1, 1950 in Los Angeles and is buried at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. He wrote few popular songs, among them Falling Leaves, Beautiful Dawn, and Melodies Within My Heart, and fewer still were recorded commercially, among them these.
mole at sea. I can't seem to make my lips and heart agree. I say I'll be free, then my other me tells me I'm in love again. Love, 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 you leave me weak. First I say I'm through, then turn the other cheek. Though it's misery, yet my other me tells me I'm in love again. I'm torn between two personalities, not myself at all. One stands on formalities, the other wants to fall. No, 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 mustn't fall again. Sighs are only lies, men are only men. Yes, I will be free, but my other me tells me I'm in love again. Big palm tree, oh, 
For the 1930 Paramount picture Morocco, directed by Josef von Sternberg and starring Gary Cooper and Marlena Dietrich, that was Marlena Dietrich herself singing Give Me the Man, composed by Carl Hayos with the words by Leo Robin. The orchestra was conducted by Peter Kreuter, and that's from HMV EG2275. Before that, from the 1935 Universal picture Manhattan Moon, starring Ricardo Cortez and Dorothy Page, That was Lee Bennett, backed by Jan Garber and his orchestra, singing the Yip Harburg lyrics to My Other Me. Victor 25121 was recorded in Hollywood on July 22, 1935, about three weeks after the film was released. We started our tribute to Carl Hayos with Johnny Johnson and his Statler Pennsylvanians and Sunbeams. Franklin Bauer sang the J. Kiern Brennan lyrics, but goes uncredited on the label of Victor 21677, recorded in New York on September 12, 1928. Sunbeams is from the score for Pola Negri's 1928 silent film, Loves of an Actress, and is not to be confused with Wilbur Swetman's 1920 Sunbeams, or the 1903 Sunbeams, written by Landon Ronald and lyricist R.H. Elkin. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. You've no doubt heard the phrase, I couldn't care less, and it bothers me when people omit the negative particle and say, I could care less. I'm sure none of you is guilty of that. What bothers me even more is that Merriam-Webster couldn't care less and treats the two phrases synonymously. I couldn't care less is the older phrase in use in its uncontracted form, I could not care less, since at least as far back as 1864. In this segment, however, one thing is clear, and that's that Jan Garber couldn't care less about tomorrow.
just a slave to love Waiting for your caress Something you take advantage of But what do I care? Maybe you only love me when There's no one else I guess Maybe I'm just your now and then But what do I care? Our affair was accidental you were a welcome stranger We were feeling sentimental it was such a pleasant danger Once in a while you're all my own Gee, but it's happiness Even though you're not mine alone Still, what do I care? What Do I Care, composed by Jesse Greer and Harry Carroll with the words by Raymond Clogus. Walter Theodore Ed Kirkaby used lots of pseudonyms for his musical groups, such as Ted Wallace and his Campus Boys, but this particular record was made under his own name, the Ed Kirkaby Orchestra. At least on this issue, OK41353, made December 23, 1929. The Parlophone label credited Ed Lloyd and his orchestra and Earl Marlowe's orchestra. In all cases, the vocal trio is unidentified. Before Ed Kirkaby, it was a triple-R debut for Eddie Dees, D-E-A-S, and his Boston Brownies, with Eddie himself taking the vocal honors on All I Care About Is You, written by Jack Little. Eddie Dees was a drummer who led an all-black territory band based out of New England. The band only recorded four sides, all of them in an October 22, 1931 session for Victor, with All I Care About Is You issued under catalog number 22844. About a month before that record was made, the group appeared as the sixth of an eight-act bill at the Hippodrome in New York City. In their 21 minutes on stage, they performed four numbers. Eddie Dees did a recitation and Slappy Wallace did some hoofing. In its review, Billboard described the 10-piece band as a hotter-than-hot aggregation which goes heavy on the brass and dished out scorching tunes. They're a neat-appearing bunch and should get somewhere. The group played the RKO vaudeville circuit and was also known as Eddie Deese and his Victor Recording Orchestra and Eddie Deese and his Hollywood Inn Broadcasting Orchestra. Jan Garber and his orchestra started things off with I Never Care About Tomorrow, As Long As I'm Happy Today, written by the trio of Al Levine, Arthur Lang, and Sidney Holden. 
Victor 19404 was recorded July 2nd, 1924. In the intro to the show, I point out that it's an hour of toe-tapping music, and I think that's a pretty good way to spend an hour. But Jeanette McDonald would rather spend one hour with you.
summer of tomorrow and spend it tonight with you. Let me hold you and tenderly enfold you till dawn comes shining through. We always say hello, we kiss and then we sigh. Before I know it's time to say goodbye. So let me borrow an hour of tomorrow and spend it tonight with you. Cottage made of dreams beside the river end. Just like a butterfly looks for a flower. I look for happiness with you just one hour. Then so all the world may know that you belong to me. I'll just lock you in my heart and throw away the key. If I could have a wish come true, it would be. Just an hour of love with you.
I've mentioned his name only twice in the last 20 years, but Benny Maroff was a band leader, multi-instrumentalist, and composer. He's going to get his own segment on the April 19th show, but you just heard Benny Maroff and his orchestra with Just an Hour of Love. Well, that wasn't really Benny Maroff, but probably because of contractual obligations, Frankie Trumbauer and his augmented orchestra on OK40912 recorded September 30, 1927, with Irving Kaufman providing the vocal. Benny Maroff was also used as a pseudonym for Sam Lennon's famous players and Justin Ring's orchestra. Just an Hour of Love was written by Peter DeRose, Joe Trent, and Albert von Tilzer. Before Benny Maroff, or Frankie Trumbauer, it was the real Will Osborne and his orchestra, with the real Will Osborne singing Let Me Borrow an Hour of Tomorrow from Decca 1769, recorded April 3, 1938. Oscar Levant wrote the music and Stanley Adams the words. Her name's been mentioned lots of times on the show in connection with songs in her films, but hard to believe I've never played a record by Jeanette MacDonald. Until now. That was One Hour With You from her 1932 Paramount picture of the same name with Maurice Chevalier. That's from Victor 24013, recorded April 28, 1932, and the orchestra was conducted by Nat Finston. One Hour With You was written by Leo Robin and Richard A. Whiting. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. Today, January 26th, all the way back in 1837... That would be 183 years ago. Michigan became the 26th of the United States of America. Michigan is named after an American Indian word meaning great or large lake and is divided into two peninsulas by the Straits of Mackinac, connecting lakes Michigan and Huron. It's known as the Great Lake State since it borders four of the five Great Lakes and also as the Wolverine State, although wolverines are not common there. The capital of Michigan is Lansing, and the state gem is chlorastrolite, which fact I included just so I could say the word chlorastrolite. So here to start off this Michigan set is Bert M. Mays. When you got your money, your name Think about your old time friend 
Last played it in 2011, so it's about time you once again heard Willie Jones and his orchestra and Michigan Stomp from a Jeanette 78 recorded in Richmond, Indiana on November 21, 1927. Drummer Willie Jones was from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and in the early 20s formed a band with Robert H. Cloud called the Musical Joy Spreaders, but Cloud and Jones split soon after. In the mid-twenties, Jones's band played in Indiana, Wisconsin, and, yes, Michigan, and in 1927 apparently appeared on radio, but the group broke up in mid-1929. Willie Jones died in New York in April of 1992. Before that, Jabbo Smith and his Rhythm Aces with a Smith original, Michigander Blues, from March 30, 1929. We started our celebration of Michigan's statehood with some interesting thunder and lightning effects by blues pianist Bert M. Mays on his Michigan River Blues from Vocalion 1223, recorded in Chicago on October 5, 1928. 
As Bert says, those Michigan rivers, they runs everywhere, but not by his door. Michigan has over 300 rivers, but the Michigan River isn't one of them. That's in Colorado. If Alexander Graham Bell had his way, we'd all be answering the telephone by saying ahoy instead of hello. Apparently, hello wasn't in use much before Thomas Edison introduced it to let a caller know they had picked up the phone. And English may be the only language where the telephone greeting, hello, is the same as the in-person greeting. In many other countries, the phone is answered with phrases such as who's calling, well, speak, ready, tell me, yes please, or by simply stating your name. You all know that in the first telephone call on March 10, 1876, Alexander Graham Bell said to his assistant, Thomas Watson, about a hundred feet away in another room of the laboratory, Mr. Watson, come here. I want you. On January 25, 1915, Bell repeated those words to Watson, but this time it would have taken Watson a lot longer to go to Bell because he was in San Francisco, and that call was the formal opening of the transcontinental telephone system. So here's a set of rapidly rotating records about telephone calls, beginning with Jack Norworth telling all about Kitty, the telephone girl. Tommy met Kitty on a tram car one day, vowed he was sweeter than the flowers in May, but he soon found out that pretty Kitty every day came to the city. Was engaged to answer telephone calls, so when he rang up one day, when she cried hello through the telephone, he heard her new voice say, Kitty, Kitty, isn't it a kitty in the city you work? So hard with your one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Gerard. Kitty, kitty, isn't it a pity that you're wasting so much time with your lips close to the telephone when they might be close? If any time you should wish anything, Kitty said, don't forget to give me a ring. Tommy said, dear, I needn't mention that all along was my intention. Meet me tonight and I will give you a ring And I'll make you my wife Then we can't ring off the telephone And we'll both ring on for life Kitty, Kitty, isn't it a pity in the city you work so hard with your one, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Gerard. Kitty, kitty, isn't it a pity that you're wasting so much time with your lips close to the telephone when they might be close to mine. A description of the efforts of Mr. Cohen to use the telephone for the first time. Mr. Cohen is trying to call up the manager of a certain bank who happens to be his landlord. The conversation is as follows. Hello, are you there? Hello? What number do I want? Well, what numbers have you got? Ah, excuse me, my mistake. I want Central, 248. Yes, that's right. 248. I say, Miss, am I supposed to keep on saying, Hello, are you there? Until you come back again? Well, don't be long. Hello, are you there? Yes. Are you the bank? Yeah, I want to see the manager, please. I say, I want to see the manager, please. What's that? This is not a telescope, it's a telephone. <laughs> you think you're very clever, ain't it? Well, just do me a favor and hang a small piece of crepe on your nose. Your brains are dead. And if I have any more of your impertinence, I'll speak to the manager about you. I'll speak. Oh, I'm speaking to... Oh, you're the manager. Oh, I beg your pardon, much obliged. Say, Mr. Manager, I rang up to tell you I'm your tenant, Cohen. I say, I'm your tenant, Cohen. I ain't going. I'm stopping here. I'm your tenant. No, not lieutenant. I want to tell you that last night the wind came and blew down the shutter outside my house. And I want you to send... I say, last night the wind came... The wind. The... No, not the devil, the wind. You know. Well, that blew the shutter down outside my house. And I want you, I say it blew the shutter out. The shutter. No, I didn't say shut up. The shut, the thing that goes down the front of the shop. And I want you to send the carpenter to mend the shutter. I say, I want you to send the carpenter to mend the shutter. To mend. No, not the tremendous shutter. Hello, are you there? Yes. Now, last night, the wind came and blew down the shutter outside my house. And I want you to send a carpenter, a cut, a workman. Yes, you know, one of those fellas that hits the hammer with the nails. That's it, a workman. I want you to send a workman to mend the damaged shutter. I say, I want you to send a workman to mend the... No, not two men. One man, two men, one man to mend the damaged shutter. The da... I'm not swearing at you. I'm only telling you. Are you there? Last night the wind came and blew down the shutter outside my house. And I want you to send a carpenter. A ca oh, never mind. I'll have it fixed myself. Any messages while I was gone? No. Oh, yes. Important? Well, rather. Miss Johnson phoned again today. I told her what you said to say That you were not about And that you still were out of town 
Miss Johnson phoned again today. I told her you were still away, but not to get upset or think that you had let her down. But today, for the very first time, she really didn't seem to mind. And requested you to burn or kindly return any letters of hers that you might find. She said that she was feeling grand and hopes that you will understand. She leaves tomorrow at noon upon her honeymoon. And if I saw you, would I say? Miss Johnson phoned again today for the very last time. For the very last Ozzy Nelson and his orchestra with Miss Johnson phoned again today. Written by Lupin Fine, Al Siegel, and Irving Mills. Recorded April 10, 1940. Ozzy was assisted there by Roseanne Stevens, who made several other records with him around that time, including The Man Who Comes Around, and I'm Looking for a Guy Who Plays Alto and Baritone, Doubles on Clarinet, and Wears a Size 38 Suit. And if you're wondering why Roseanne was singing there instead of Harriet, it's because Harriet was on maternity leave with second son Ricky, who was born about a month later. Before that, the classic vaudeville routine, Cohen on the Telephone, by Joe Heyman. The original recording was made in the U.S. in 1913, but this was Columbia 729D, recorded electrically in London on June 14, 1926. Joe Heyman, whose real last name was Hyman, was born in 1876. Joe's older brother Jacob was one of Harry Houdini's partners in his magic act, and they performed as the Houdini Brothers. The success of Cohen on the Telephone led to lots of follow-ups, such as Cohen Calls the Gas Company, 
Cohen buys a wireless, Cohen on telephone etiquette, and so on. In the 1930s, Heyman appeared in a number of British films as the Yiddish character comedian. He died in 1927. We started that telephonic segment with Jack Norworth and Kitty the Telephone Girl from 1915. Kitty the Telephone Girl was written by A.J. Lawrence, Huntley Trevor, Tom Meller, and Harry Gifford. Jack Norworth was born John Godfrey Knopf on January 5, 1879. We just missed his birthday, which was January 5th, but he'll have his own segment next year, unless I decide to do a belated one next week, which is a distinct possibility. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention. Thank you.